Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench, episode three. I'm your host, Jay Ganinen, and today I'm really happy to welcome Adam Bryant to the show. Adam is a master level diagnostic tech at a Toyota dealership in the Northeast and has loads of dealership experience. I love picking the brains of smart techs, and today is a really, really good opportunity to do just that. Today we're going to focus on the subject of ongoing training and career progression for technicians. Adam has some thoughts on what needs to be done for veteran technicians to help them thrive, as well as some thoughts on, on talking to young people and getting them into the industry. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, we kind of met through, uh, through LinkedIn and had yep. some, some interesting conversation. You had some interesting insights. So I wanted to make sure I got you on the show and, and really kind of got to dive into some of the stuff that we were talking about. So let's start off by, by having you give us a little background. What do you do and, and kind of give us an idea of what you're doing on a daily basis? Um, so I, I'm actually a uh, master diagnostics technician for Toyota, as you had stated. Um, this is a little over my 20th year with Toyota. I've only spent, obviously, to kind of start the conversation off, most of my, all of my experience is dealership, not independent shop. I don't have a lot of insight on how they get to where they go, but I definitely know a lot of people in the industry that have very successful careers in the independent world as well. Um, I spent most of my career, 12 years at one dealer and now nine years at this dealer. So I haven't moved around much. I really enjoy getting invested in the local dealer that I'm at and um, trying to basically better myself in any situation that I can get myself into. I started in, I did the T10 program for technical education networking for Toyota, Um, graduated the program of associate's degree and um, came out of the industry as an entry-level technician through the years basically attaining ASD certifications which Toyota you know and, and other brands hold to a certain standard achieved my ASD certifications not easily uh, yeah. that much. That <laughs> it's, was, it's hard a lot, a lot of guys say you know for some people it is easy it was not easy but I did accomplish them uh, I got them through there to the expert level to master level and then the last uh, 2000 and 15, I uh, got my master diagnostics. And since then, I've also been the shop foreman or team leader uh, for about an average to two to eight guys, depending on our shifts. We work a four day work week, 10 hour days, wow. and provides a good work life balance to a degree. It's a shifted yeah. schedule. So that's, um, you know, I'm not always on the same days. So that's some things that we'd like to see change for some of us. But overall, only working 40 hours a week. I'm still able to make a very um, good career out of it and I'm able to stay busy all the time. So it's good. That's awesome. And I'm guessing that's evolved a little bit too from when you started, right? The the four day work week. What do you like about that as compared to what maybe before I'm guessing you probably work six days a week? Fives and sixes. Yeah. Yeah. Five days, six days, five days, six days. Well, and I think there's still a lot of dealer groups out there, a lot of shops out there that have a certain demand on what their what their needs are to get their customers through the door and their services done. So I think in the last, I'd say probably four or five years, but closer to probably four years, we've actually seen a real change in the entry-level technicians coming in and some of the older technicians that have been in the industry with us for a long time starting to retire. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a little bit more of a work-life balance 
issue or concern where people wanted to come in. They didn't want to work 60 hours a week. They didn't want to do 12 hour days. They wanted to find a balance. And um, with the group that I'm with, that was something that they basically have come out with uh, across all of their dealers that they own. Great. Which, yeah, it it is great. It does, it does provide some versatility. I got young kids, so I'm able to have those days off when I need them. And it's definitely been a a benefit in that sense. So Um, let me, yeah, sorry to cut you out, but let me ask you this. Do you, as a tech that's been in the business for, you know, 20 plus years, do you, do you like that better like that? Cause I think a lot of times we'll say, okay, millennials are kind of pushing this and it's, it's uh, but do you like for somebody that's been in it for a while, do you see benefit in that? Kind of sounds crazy. But I see it as a three tiered system. Basically you have a lot of guys that are ranging. And if you use age, you're ranging somewhere in the 45 plus range that have been still, that are still in the business that got into it at a different time when the industry was completely different than yeah. it is now. I mean, completely different. And then my era of technician, which is right around my age group, is all were trained by those guys yep. that uh, were, in, and we worked in the industry, but we were at the tail end of that part of the industry and been, been very heavily involved in the newer part of the industry, which has been a lot of tech, autonomy, hybrid, and things like that. So we've had to, to adapt to the, the non-carbureted era to the injection yeah. era to the now the port injection era to hybrids. I mean, we just really honestly um, have had to adapt a lot. And, and then you have the tier, the other tier, which is the entry level technician coming in now that is learning and uh, developing and either doing co-op and going to the college program or coming in. Really, I have a few that are coming in with no experience whatsoever in the industry. Yep. They just really like cars. And I work closely with one uh, right now, but um I think that those three systems really kind of gives you an idea of the, the, that middle group where I feel like I lie is that we're trained by a certain mentality and worked a certain amount of hours. And, and those guys feel like they earned it and yeah. earned it and are, and to a, to a degree sometimes can feel like they're owed it. Um, and that's kind of where that ideology kind of doesn't mesh well with the first tier yeah. or the entry level guys coming in. So sometimes that fear is between those two groups and really the mediator ends up being the middle group. Who's trying to say, <laughs> okay, you guys stay in your corner, you stay in your corner and I'll try to figure out how to get you where you need to be. And that's what I really honestly feel like it is all the time. I, so. I think that might be one of the best descriptions of generational gaps that I've heard. <laughs> especially in the industry, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. related to the auto industry. I mean, you can sit back and look at it all. You can walk into a shop tomorrow and spend an hour just standing in the middle of the shop. And you, can see, you can see it. Yeah. And, and, that, and, that, and that's not a, it's not a, it's not a negative against either side because right. I really think that I, I have an, uh, the utmost respect for the guys that have been in the industry for a long time. Same here. Absolutely, they absolutely trained me. They motivated me. And legitimately, I have worked, you know, 60-hour weeks, 50-hour weeks, whatever it is. Weekends, Saturdays, Sundays, I've, I've tried everything that needs to go on and I've adapted right along the way because those guys did it. Yeah. And I, we, didn't, when we just didn't give a lot of, of pushback. Um, but then again, I also feel like there's some stigmas coming out about that younger generation of kids that are coming out that this, you know, um, millennial age of technicians may not be as motivated or are looking for a, a different, a softer route to get through to where they need to go. And I think that's really situational. I really, I really hate to kind of clump a group of people into that and say, you know, all of you bring that mentality because I've actually seen, I've actually seen the opposite. I've seen a few, uh, you could take 10 technicians coming into the business and probably 50% of them 
have a, have a different approach. They just yeah. have an approach where their parents were trained by, you know, older people and in, in, in an industry where they felt like they learned a lot and they, they drove that home with their kids. So I don't necessarily, I don't want to lump them all together because I don't think that that's fair either. Right, um, right. And there is, there is a lot of potential out there. I can say that I've seen a lot, a, a significant amount of potential. I agree. So let me, let me kind of take that back to, to you. How'd you get, how'd you get into working on cars? So it's actually, it's actually kind of a funny story because to be honest with you, there was, there really wasn't anybody in my family. I come from a very, very, very large family and there was nobody in my family that actually had any interest in automotive, <laughs> um, which is, it's just insane. And, and, and to be honest, growing up as a kid, I really, I, I didn't really have car magazines and I, I, I was outdoors all the time and I was looking for, um, ways to be active. Uh, I just needed something to keep the brain moving. And for all intents and purposes, when I get into high school, I got to my junior, it was my sophomore year in high school. My older brother had done automotive, which again, not really, he really didn't have, he never went into it, never, never finished it or whatever, but he did automotive and he had a really good teacher at the time. Yeah. And that teacher reached out to me in high school in my junior year and said, you know, I'd really like to see a sign up for auto one. And there's a lot of possibilities in the industry. And why don't you take the course? And, um, wow. I did. And it was an eye opener. It was an extreme eye opener because what a cohesive group of people, um, that all work in a traded industry that is actually most people fear getting into think that it's really hard to get into. It's actually not right. There's actually a desire out there. You're in, there is a demand, um, that drives guys to, to be able to go to levels they never thought they were going to. And they just, it, I just really felt like in high school, the instructor made the, made the difference for me. That's amazing. Um, and we actually did, we brought in a lot of colleges at the time that came in and did, you know, uh, did their pitches on how to, you know, which way you want to go and gave you a lot of options. He was just very vest invested into trying to get you all the options as possible. And then when you made a decision, he was hundred percent supportive. So I did two years there as a technical, um, at, it was first year, second year. I did the first six months in the classroom. And then the last six months I actually went on co-op. So I signed on to a dealer group while I was in high school. Wow. Uh, I went and met with the dealer they, they signed me on. So when I left school at 1230 every day, I went there and spent an hour and a half co-op really nice in the deal. They actually paid me to be there for that hour and a half. And then yeah. I actually stayed until six o'clock every night. Um, so it actually became a job where I was actually able to make four, 25 to 30 hours a week wow. uh, where most of my friends weren't able to even work that much. Yeah. Um, and I just got exposed to the industry working with a lot of guys that were NASA diagnostics masters. I got a chance to, I mean, and, and it's, it's crazy because the dealer ideology was different back then too. And I, I see a lot of them kind of trending back toward it, which was I, I cleaned cars. I spent six months washing cars and, yep. and learning that process. And, and then I went and I spent six months in the parts department and I did inventory and I walked in every day and grabbed a clipboard. There was a list of part numbers and I would be checking inventory. And That's then awesome. After that and put me out in the shop, you know? So I spent my first year there really um, when I wasn't on my co-op for school, which was imperative for me to be in the shop, I would go in and do my other job. So I got an exposure to parts, the reconditioning department, which dealt directly with finance. Yep. And then, um, and then I went out to express, uh, well, it wasn't the time we didn't have express maintenance as much as we do now. It was, pre-delivery inspections, oil changes, that kind of stuff. But sure. it was still guided. It was still guided by people that wanted to help, that wanted to learn. I love that. And I, I, I just think there's so much value in that lesson right there for shops and how 
bringing you in and not sticking you directly in the shop and saying, go to work where you actually had some ability to see what happens in the parts or sales side or, you know, other parts of the business that you're going to affect that. I don't think that every tech gets that opportunity to go through the, the, go through that. And that's really important. I think that's why they, I think now you're seeing them try to develop. So obviously when I started in the industry, we didn't have a lot of career path development and yeah. we've gone down this road on the advisory councils uh, with the manufacturer that I'm on and with the high schools to really hone in on career path development and be able to give the up and coming students an opportunity to see it firsthand, have raw materials in the hand and say, okay, this is what I need to do to get from A to B to C to D. And a lot of the dealers aren't looking at it as an opportunity. So if you take in, if you're taking in five to six guys or girls that are going to come into the business and want to work and you find that two or three of them actually want to pursue the technical side, fantastic. But the other three or four why, why lose them as an opportunity? We need service advisors. We need yeah. arts people. We need salespeople. We need all these people. people that are qualified. And for a kid that's coming in, they may get out there in the shop and, and they do find it overwhelming and they don't want to pursue that further. But yeah. then again, they go into the parts department and they turn, you, they just turn into a different person. Yeah. Um, they get the morale, the, the boost, the schedule, all the things they're looking for. And you can have a very successful career in the park. There's plenty of people. Uh, that do well, the funny part, that's, that's how I started my career, right? Like I, I started off in a shop and I sucked at being a tech. <laughs> I, I, uh, so I, I'm very clear about that, but it, it's, it gave me to start off with one, it gave me some technical background to be able to understand. And I grew up in a shop, so I just always thought I would be a tech. I never even thought I would do anything different than that. So starting mm-hmm. Finder Wrench was not even on the, the radar, but yep. starting off there, getting into a shop, understanding how hard it is, especially for, for techs in the North where you get snow melting on top of you and you get, uh, it's uh, just, it's, it's not an easy not job. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. And so learning that, but then having that to be able to translate into something else where I was more confident, it, it worked out really, really well. And, Ever since then, it's given me such a passion and such a, I don't know, respect level yeah, I, for techs yeah. that I've, I, I've never lost that. I don't think I'll ever lose that just because I know how, how smart you guys are and, and everything that goes into it, like the critical thinking piece of it, where I, I don't think that's, that's as highly respect as it, as it should be because it's, it's hard. I mean, and, and you and I talked about ASC level tests and how difficult those are. And yeah, yeah. it's just, it's what you guys do is is hard stuff and it's, it takes smart people to do it. And, and I think it's in the sense it's obviously, and I appreciate the, the, uh, that uh, wholeheartedly that I think that there's really such a change in the industry that you have to be knowledgeable on so many different fronts, whereas, you know, and, and trades are trades. Um, yep. If you're, if you're into a lot of them are changing. There's a lot of them developing into different kinds, but obviously our industry, I mean, I spend a majority of my day trying to pair cell phones and cars, to, <laughs> you know, be able to get them to communicate together and software updates. And there's just so much going because the cars themselves, the vehicles are, are just, are, are very, very well built. There's a lot of good things that are going on yeah. for the consu- for the consumer. It's unbelievable what's going on. But the other side of it is, is that, for the tech, it's like, whoa, okay. So we, we still have the wear components, the tires and the brakes and the basic maintenance type stuff. But overall, I spend a lot of my day explaining to some of my up and coming technicians 
diagnosis for evaporative systems and electrical and other concerns. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of tech involved. And yeah. I think that's changed so much. And guys have to, you have to be very, you have to be on your toes. I mean, there is not one thing that I do every single day that is the exact same. Yeah. My day is different every single day. And I have no clue what it brings when I wake up in the morning. And that also brings a different kind of scenario for the, for the technician today. Cause you have to come in ready to work. Yeah. Ready to, ready to open your eyes to the possibility that today is going to be different and mentally and, prepared. And that's, that's legitimately it. If you come in wanting to work, you can absolutely be very successful in this business if you're looking to do that. So. I love that. And I, I, so, and this is kind of off topic from what, where our focus is and I'll, I'll bring that back up, but just real quickly, where do you see the, the position of a tech going down the road in terms of as we get more aligned with electric vehicles and, and autonomous vehicles? Obviously, there's still going to be a pile of traditional vehicles on the road for a long, long time for to long, come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but do you like, so I, I, I talk to techs sometimes where they're worried about, you know, if they're going into this field, what is, what is out there down the road? I still personally feel like I think it might actually get tougher yet uh, in terms of of being able to diagnose and and work through electrical problems. What do you see maybe down the road for techs? I actually, and to a to a degree, I think that actually, I think to a degree, it's going to get easier. Yeah. And the only okay. reason why I say that is is because information is so readily available now. Yeah. yeah. So today, I could have an issue, and I could pick up a phone, and I can call a tech line, uh, you know, a hotline make a phone call and like since information is so shared across all networks, yeah. it, it legitimately can get me an answer about what's going on and what's being seen across the country. And yeah. that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of information. Whereas before I would be in my bay and, and I'd have a book and yeah. <laughs> going through that process. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it would be harder for the technician. Different. I, think it's, I think it's definitely geared toward, to be honest, in my opinion, a little bit more of an engineering side. There is definitely a lot more, a lot more brain power. There is some physicality to the job, but a lot of it is the standing and the lifting and things, certain things, but it's not, it's not as physical as it used to be either, because again, yeah. we're just building them smaller, more compact and more intelligent. Yeah. So I, I think it will be, I think it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but those are, those are going to be for people who just don't want to change with technology. That's right. where the difficulty comes in. I don't want to do this. I don't think I should have to do this. Well, then that's just that's <laughs> not going to work, you know? Uh, whereas the guys that are really open to change, guys and girls, I apologize, but guys and girls that are wanting to change, that really want this industry to go somewhere, I really think that the, I think it, it'll get easier. And, yeah. um, and I think as you spend more time with the company you are with and uh, investing in your own self, meaning taking your online modules and taking your ASCs and staying current on what's going on out there, you're only bettering yourself in every situation and you give yourself an opportunity to be successful. I love that being a true professional. I mean that and taking your craft seriously. I think that's a, that's a big deal where we still have a lot of techs out there that I think could maybe make that shift a little bit more where to, to taking it seriously and taking, you know, the training that you're getting and the opportunities that you're getting to learn and just understanding that the more, you know, the more valuable you're going to be. And especially as we need more technical knowledge in general in this industry, taking it seriously and being a professional is a big, big deal right now. And to those guys and girls that are out there in the industry right now that are working in a shop that they may not feel like suits them best, or they may feel like they need a change, 
my advice to even the people that I, I work with is the same, which is no matter what that is, always find a way to better yourself while you're there. Yeah. Even if you're in the interim situation where you're trying to find out, maybe it's just the schedule doesn't work for you. Maybe the location doesn't work for you. But while you're there, if, if, if the company you work for allows you the opportunity to, they pay for your ASC certifications, yeah. um, they offer you online modeling, find a way to better yourself and, and create, create a, a, a professional that is looking to move on to something else and always feel free. I think it's more pertinent now to always feel free to go to a service manager, uh, a team leader to that degree and be able to say, Hey, you know, one of my concerns is my schedule. And if that's not something we can really address, then maybe it is a change you need, but overall don't get discouraged. Yeah. A lot of the old ideology was, this is it. Everybody does it. And yeah. that's just what it is. <laughs> you're just not seeing that anymore. You're just not, you're, you're, you're not. seeing them legitimately probably, you know, a good chunk of the technicians in my shop, their, their schedules have changed. They've needed a more set schedule and for their family life and whatever. Those opportunities are there, but the fear of not asking is just, is just, is, is crazy because you just don't know, you know, the worst case. So you're, you're spot on. And I think this plays really, really good into what our, our focus conversation is here too. Right. And, and what yep. we really want to dive into, which is the career progression for technicians. And let me start by asking you this, is there attractiveness from a technician standpoint as staying as a tech for your entire career? Or do you, do you look for opportunities to, to move up or is it really just dependent on the person? Yeah. So I, I think it's a little, a little taste of all three, to be honest with you. Um, okay. The first one, the industry, you can stay in the industry for as long as you'd like. And where the industry has changed to a lot of degree is not overhauling a lot of components anymore. Right. Um, we're getting down to the point where components are QR scanned and swapped out and they're just removal and replacement kind of stuff. And there's yep. a lot of them that are just going to be, I don't think it's as hard in that sense of physicality. -wise, Physically hard. To, to stay in the business long term. Yeah. It, it provides phenomenal opportunity to control something in your life that would rather be expensive. As a technician, um, my wife surely enjoys not ever having to go drive her car down to the dealership. She <laughs> leaves with mine and I take hers and she enjoys that very much. Um, but that provides a lot of, it provides you an opportunity to save yourself a lot of money. Yeah. Um, financially, that's a, that's a huge benefit. You know, um, that was one of the things I thought of when I was, when I was getting into the industry, it was okay, you got houses and cars, these are big expenses that you're going to have for a long term. And I'm able to control that expense 100%. So that's a, that's a huge thing. It's a huge win, in my opinion. As we dive back into it, is it something where as staying as a, a tech for the long haul in the shop, it's changed a lot, right? So then you're, you're getting more diagnostically driven. Is that something where maybe you see other opportunities evolving down the road too, in terms of yeah. are there going to be different positions open two years from now than there are right now? Yeah, I think there is. And actually, you actually see it now where you have even like dealer groups um, hiring on technical support, yep. got people that uh, people that know the product really well, that are able to elaborate on some of the things that are going on in some of the features of the vehicles. And what we were discussing, kind of the next step for technicians as you go through, I guess the possibility really is actually endless because you can get yeah. in there and decide as a technician that you want to work as a technician for five years, 10 years. You just, you work your plan knowing full well that if you had a career development when you get in there, you could potentially go over to parts. Yeah. You can go out, you can go out as a service advisor. 
you can move up as a service manager. And when I, when I had reached out to you about fixed operations training, yeah. one of the things that really kind of keyed me in on that was, is uh, I'd been at an advisory council meeting in December. And what I'm hearing is, is like basically a lot of technicians that have gotten to the point where they are master diagnostic or have been in the industry for a while, have taken all their ASDs and their modules. They're, they're getting bored yeah. with the fact that they're not continually learning. Yeah. You are learning in the sense that your job every day is challenging, but you're not learning in the sense that, you know, I haven't had any formal sales training, sure. uh, any formal um, soft skills training, any formal, you know, fixed operation side where I would actually understand what my advisors are going through, what my managers are going through. We're, we're as a bigger group, we're aware of our goals uh, monthly and things like that. But overall, yeah. we're not trained to be able to make a transition really to be yeah. honest we're not yeah. trained to make a transition and that's that's the unfortunate part is because dealers and, and, and independent shops and some of that are seeing certain attrition rates for people leaving but when they when they leave they generally i think my opinion straight yeah. in my opinion i think they get a bogus response on why they're leaving yeah i think oh i totally actually agree. if you went back a few months prior to that had a conversation with them and asked them you know, hey, how is things going? Where else do you want to go a year from now? What do you see? And they say, well, I'm trying to get the expert. I'm trying to get the master. I'm trying to whatever the case is. Then, or at that point, that would have opened up an opportunity for the kid to say, I, I actually would like to. I'd actually like to consider service advising. Oh, well, why don't we just find a time for you to sh job shadow an advisor for if you like it. To and go out there and take a look around and see what it actually is. You may decide after two days of being out there with an advisor. You, you love it or you don't. Right. If you don't expose them to that, you lose them. They go to another shop. They go into that environment with, this, with the same exact goal, with the same exact idea, just not saying it. They go back into that shop. They sit there for a few years and then they, 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 they move again as opposed to literally communicating what they're trying to get to. You know what I mean? So, so this is, this brings up kind of an interesting point here. Do you think that in not even just younger techs, but uh, veteran techs are comfortable having that conversation? And the reason I say this is I actually had a tech that worked for me once um, at, at a dealership that I was running the service department with. And I, I sat down, had the conversation with him of, what do you want to do? Like, what, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to go into management? Do you want to do some different things? And I'm a pretty open minded person. I think I like to try and help people progress. And he didn't, he's like, no, you know what? I'm just happy just working in the shop. And then it was like two months later, he comes in and says, you know what? I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm taking off. And I'm yeah. like, what? Like we just had a conversation and you, <laughs> you said that you were perfectly happy and, yeah. and he ended up going, uh, gosh, I can't even remember where he ended up going, but it was, for one of those reasons that he saw a career progression somewhere else yep. that he didn't see there, but he obviously didn't feel comfortable enough to talk to me about it, which I look back as, you know, as myself as a leader and think to myself, I didn't give him a good enough platform to talk about it. But do you, do you see any of that from a technician side where maybe a tech isn't comfortable talking about that or they don't want to get, you know, maybe there's insecurities about, their soft skills or, you know, something like that, where they, they, they won't have that conversation. 
Yeah, I I, th- I think that that comes down to the person. It does. Yeah, that's really that's really hard to say because some of the older uh, technicians in the industry generally don't have a problem saying what's on their mind, yeah. <laughs> um, and some of the ones that and there are some that do. But I guess really the unfortunate thing is that you have to you have to be involved. Service managers, uh, yes. service directors, shop foremen, things like that. This isn't the, the job. Isn't just come in every day and work on a car. You actually have to be a little bit invested and the actual progression of your people and actually want them to get to a level that they're happy and satisfied with. And really, if, they, if, you, if you go in and you have a conversation with somebody and they, they bring up some kind of a concern, well, A, they brought up a concern. So B, it needs to be revisited. And C, if you actually give it a week or two and go back at, you know, just checking back in, I feel like, I feel like sometimes they can be very standoffish at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And they, they're putting their guard up to see if you really actually do care. And if yes. you do care, they'll come back at you with some more information, but they're going to dribble and drabble it out a little bit and kind of let you kind of let you know a little bit, um, you know, unconventionally, basically in my opinion. But I, that's, that's, that's the hard part is just trying to, you're, you're trying to figure out a way to like, not life coach, but you're trying to find a way to find a balance of how to get them to respond to what you're looking for. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately yeah. that they do all they do all day long is the same thing to a car. So, I mean, it's really hard. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a tough relationship. <laughs> I, I equate it to uh, like a husband wife relationship, right? Where I, uh, I think there's times and maybe my wife will listen to this and then make fun of me, but uh, <laughs> is, is there's times where I think she thinks I'm, I'll understand what she's thinking or trying to, to read her mind. And I almost had that same relationship with some text, which I always felt terrible about, but it is truly, I think, trying to dive in, making a tech comfortable enough to feel like they can talk to you about it. You know, when I, when I was on the other side of this, when I was a tech and I, so when I was a tech, I was, I was really, really young. And one of the things that I thought was, hard was to approach a manager and say you wanted to do anything different because your superiors in the shop and people that you really respect and people that are above you mm-hmm. aren't in that level. So you don't, right. you feel really stupid to even go ask, Hey, right. are there other opportunities? Because you feel like you're almost doing them a disservice by, I, I don't know, not following yeah, their route. It, you're right. You're right. But it's actually, it's actually a two, it's actually two phases. One, you're right. Because you're sitting there saying, why isn't anybody else going for this position? And maybe I'm not prepared. So you're, you're basically putting yourself down and you're not actually, you're not actually willing to think to yourself, I can actually achieve that. The other side of the phase, unfortunately is, is that some dynamics, some shops that have a, could have a different culture to them. um, Don't always come out as supportive of, of a technician making an advance somewhere. And the problem is because they never did it. So they yep. feel like they need to take that out on someone else. And that's not fair. That's not fair at all. And I think a lot of people just need to do what's right and what's best for them. And everything else will fall in line. We've had plenty of technicians convert from being technicians to advisors, people that go into parts. I've seen that across the board. And the initial, the initial static that comes from all that, it seems to tamper down relatively fast. Yeah. And, and then the person's moved on to something better. But you can't, if, you live, if you're living in fear, that's crazy because there's a lot of, there's a really lot of opportunities out there for growth. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, the, the, the possibilities are endless. Some of these people come in as technicians. Um, they spend a lot of the time in that industry, which is what, you know, essentially what we need. But on the other side of it is, is that they, I, for me personally, I, I fell in love with the brand um, yeah. and I spent my time with the brand. I, I, I believe in the message and the, and the things that they've done along the way. And um, so I've, I've just, I love that. I think that's awesome. Enjoyed it. Um, That's why getting involved in advisory councils and things like that. I like the brand because I remember 
starting in the brand and having them catch me at such a young level yeah. I, at such a young time in my life. I said to a few of them that it's like they put the hook in you right early and they, and they get, you get you interested. Now we have, now we have, we have college programs up here now that we take those guys to, to the regional facilities and we show them where we go for training and things like that. And these kids get to see like, wow, these places are amazing. Yeah, so they, they are. Know if I end up, if I end up getting into a dealer or into a, an independent that actually can send me to training, I can go here. Um, this is really enjoyable and they treat you with the utmost respect that's big because of the fact that you legitimately are the face of their business. Yeah. Um, so they, they treat you like gold, which is, you know, a, another great feeling that you need intermittently throughout your career to kind of keep you progressing. Forward. Oh, for sure. I think that's, that's amazing. And I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said and a lot of shops could learn from that in general of, you yeah. know, it's, it's treating those texts with respect and, not just saying it, like actually being respectful and, and, you know, you guys are rock stars. And so like, that's kind of one thing that's interesting to me and kind of going back to our prior conversation in the elevating technicians to maybe a position that's outside of the shop is one thing that I see that is a concern. Um, and this might even be going back to when I was managing technicians is it's hard to take a good tech out of the shop. Because they're because <laughs> they're producing that's not, that's a lot. Not, that's that's not what they want to see. Exactly, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't what they want to see. But then again, you may be turning that technician into something that you didn't even you couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now there may be a there may be a loss over here, but there's an extreme win over here. Yeah, and that loss that loss can be uh, recovered in the sense of maybe you do still have up and coming people that are looking for the door to open for them. And if yep. you don't allow that turnover of being able to certain people that, like you said, if it contributes to a negative ideology in your shop, because the person is just not satisfied. Yeah. What, what are you gaining from that? Is it just financial? Because really at the end of the day, it's it, not, that's not it. worth it. That's just not worth it. No. Nope. And there, you know, we've got, uh, we've only got, they want to say like 30 technicians, but we've got, now we've got nine hourly technicians that have started in the last year. That's awesome. Fantastic. You know what I mean? We've got a lot of great pooled programs up here in the high schools. The trades are just phenomenal, but it takes a lot of the guys in the dealership world to go back to their college and their high school, spend some time in their advisory council, get invested because that's legitimately, in my opinion, the farm team for what you're looking for over the yeah. next 10 years, 15 yeah. years, whatever. So why, why aren't you involved in that? Um, Cause that is an absolute loss if you're not, but like you said, I mean, if the guy or the girl that are in the industry and they're not satisfied, why not give them a chance somewhere else? And, and, and vice versa. We've had people that were in parts, people that were in sales that got into the dealership that way yeah. and didn't have a, didn't have an idea what was going on there. They worked in sales <laughs> for a few months and was like, I want to do the technical side, you know, and they had the tools at home. They just didn't know. They didn't want to come in. It was an indirect route basically. Yeah. Um, and those people just were just a normal conversation. Hey, what's going on? How do you, and all of a sudden now they're, they're out back working with you. It's, it's a, it's a very dynamic industry where you can move through several different jobs just in one place. Yeah. If you just don't, if you're not happy there, you know, in certain aspects. So. Well, and I love, I love your approach to, to going and talking to schools and, and being on advisory committees. And I think one of the things that helps out a lot there in terms of career progression for a, a tech, even if they want to remain in the shop and they want to become 
you know, specific to diagnostics or they want to do, you know, have their specialty, you still have to fill your role backwards, right? So it, right. being able to get people in, get them trained up and get them, get them to take your position. I think there's, there's some level of a, a tech can really help that transition out too. I think the, the big piece is that conversation in between there, between management and the tech to, mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know what, I've got desires to do X. You know, I, I yeah. feel like maybe I'm not being challenged up to my capability right now and I want to do something different. Can we work toward that, you know, and, yeah. and not have it be a, okay, yeah, you want this, let's flip the switch and you're a service manager tomorrow. There's got to be some level of that training to get them into that role. Otherwise, you're setting them up for failure. I mean, it's a different role altogether to go from a tech to a service manager, a different skill set altogether. So, or anywhere else in the, in the dealership. And I see it far too often where they're like, Hey, you're a great tech. You're going to translate over to something else extremely well. And where your technical ability might've been really great, your, you know, customer service skills might not be the best or like, so how do we, how do we bridge that gap? And then is it, is it truly, you know, I don't think you can just rely on a yearly assessment to, to really get that. It is having that genuine, that genuine relationship with a technician and having that understanding of, hey, here's my guys that want to do more. Let's try to, guys and gals that want to do more. How do we figure out how to get them to the next level? And then knowing that, hey, me as a manager, you as a tech, I need to fill your role once you do move up there. So let's get everybody rolling here and trying to get everybody up to speed. Does that sound like something that is? It does. A, it, it does. And, 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 and to that, I mean, you can also look at some of those independent or dealership shops that could actually create their own advisory council. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Tech, they can actually take a technician, an advisor, a parts person, a salesperson and a manager, or just actually, not involve any managers if you felt like yeah. you wanted to have an open forum discussion about some of the changes that you'd like to see wow. um, where somebody can actually come down and sit down and say, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, these, this, this is what the text is saying. This is what the sales. Okay. So maybe we can put this all together and, and maybe come up with a solution to a problem. Why not have an internal advisory council? I love um, that. That maybe, maybe not just is just, maybe it's not the same people. Maybe it's a quarterly change. Maybe it's a six month change or whatever, but those councils can meet every other month or whatnot and be able to sit down and just go into some different topics. Like, Hey, what's going on this month? What is happening? What, what's happening with these technicians? We just onboarded a bunch. We've got some new parts people. We've got some new advisors. How's the training going? Like, why is the dialogue need to stop just on the, like the, with the technician going to schools and things like that, that I think you had to take an internal pulse of what you got going on I love on, this. On, on a regular basis, because really you really, you have no idea. You really, yeah. really don't have an idea. You can assume just like you were saying, you had a conversation with somebody and they brought to light a concern that may not have been necessarily the biggest of their concerns. You don't know unless you know, and you got You got to ask the questions and, and really people talk to their peers they talk to the people they work yeah, with absolutely. On, a, on a very open on a very open basis and um, they share a lot of that information and, and and they may necessarily want not want it shared entirely but at least they can walk in there and say hey you know this guy really is indicating that you know he's just not satisfied with the schedule you know yeah. ready to pay whatever maybe it's time to wrap our arms around and have a conversation and figure out hey is this really what, what can we do to make a change for you? Can we make it better and try to just evolve the atmosphere better? Because really that's, that's the hard part is the atmosphere in the shops today need to change. They have to change. And if they don't change, whatever shortage you think that we're in the middle of, um, will become bigger. It it's going to get worse. Yeah. It will become bigger. And I think there's ways to curb it. 
I just think that you gotta you gotta invest in your people and you gotta find out what they're thinking about. You know what I mean? I I absolutely love this conversation just because I, it's uh, it hits home for me on so many levels and and it's not even just technicians but like with our staff here at Finder Wrench uh, and and just in any business in general just treating people <laughs> like like good human beings and I think that's that's a big piece of this and understanding but. I really thank you for being on the podcast today. I, I think this was just an awesome conversation. I'm guessing I'll probably try to get you on again at some point because this was this was this was really really good. You're you're amazing. Awesome. So uh, awesome. thank you so much for being on. I'll uh, uh, we'll be in touch and uh, and thank you for uh, for everything. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.